This is Wisconsin's Weekend Morning News with Libby Collins. And we're going to be here with you for the next couple of hours. Lots to talk about today. We'll tell you about that in just a moment. Be- why before you get uh, back into the newsroom. Did you hear any fireworks last night in your neighborhood? I did not, uh, actually. It's kind of surprising. Yeah, well, in ours, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm out in the suburbs, so there, were, there was a little bit, just enough to disturb my dog. It's, yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it doesn't bother me so much, but the dog gets a little bit anxious. And if you heard any fireworks in your neighborhood last night, um, well, you probably want to hear these tips. Well, if you have a pet, especially if you have a dog, this is a pretty tough couple of days for them because those fireworks are going on, whether it's at the lakefront or in your community or maybe just in the neighborhood, people setting off some fireworks. Joining us is Mary Stallman. She's with Dog Training Elite in Milwaukee, and it is a tough time for pups right now, isn't it, Mary? It absolutely is, as we have our fireworks starting with Fourth of July and then all of the different festivals at Summerfest, they usually set off the fireworks as well. So it is a long summer of pets being anxious. All right. So what do we do? I mean, if you know especially that there are going to be fireworks, is there a way to prepare your dog so you can kind of reduce the likelihood that they're going to become stressed? Absolutely. And there's a couple of things. If you're proactive, there is a way to help start desensitizing your pet. It's Not something you can do right now when we are in the week of July 4th, but when you know this is going to happen, desensitizing your pet to fireworks noise can start within the house. And what you do is you start playing fireworks noises in your house, all right? So you're going to download that on your phone and you're playing at a low level and you're going to have that on for an increased amount of time. And then you're going to start to build the volume up for the fireworks noises. And so over time, what happens is your dog gets desensitized to it and then realizes that when they do hear it, that there's nothing wrong with it. So that's something that, although you may not be able to do it right now, put that in your back pocket and go, okay, before we get to July 4th next year, this is something I'm going to start working on with my dog. For right now, here are a couple of different tips you can do. One is set up distractions. And distractions can be like white noise, TV being on. Go into a basement if you have one where the noise tends to be a little bit more muffled. Watch TV. You can give your dog lick mats and lasting chew toys during that time as well. So they have something else to do. A weighted vest or a weighted blanket can be a really good idea for a dog that has that anxiety as well. And, you know, one of the things that we notice is that when we fuss too much over our dog being anxious, we actually make it worse. And so we really want people to kind of just do normal things with their dog act normal. When I'm training with clients, I often hear people tell their dogs, it's okay, it's okay. And we actually, you know, those are people words that reassure people, but they actually do the opposite for dogs. So when you're trying to reassure your dog, it's okay. Your dog is wondering, why are you trying to reassure me? And I should probably be anxious about this. (laughs) So the more normal you act, the better because the dog is taking their cues from you and going, oh, it's not a big deal. And also, you know, if your dog really has a lot, a lot of anxiety, you know, talk to your vet about that as well. There obviously are pharmaceutical options that you can use with your pet during this time as well. Yeah. And if your dog gets too anxious, sometimes you want to use pharmaceuticals to calm yourself down because it's driving you crazy. All right. It is 8-11. We have a busy show today. Uh, former Congresswoman Mary Bono is going to join us. She's talking about how kids are getting their hands on vapes and what we need to do about it. But also, I asked her about her late husband, Sonny Bono. And the question I asked made her smile. And you'll hear that a little bit later on this morning. I also had the opportunity this week to talk with one of the most popular TV personalities on the BBC. Believe it or not, his podcast has been downloaded over 400 million times. That's right, 400 million. And he's really entertaining. And he shared a story with me about a person who tried to teach dolphins to live like humans. We're going to share that with you. Matt Miller's here. He has more about Summerfest and his favorite bands. And I guess last night it wasn't a band. It's that, it's that electronic music thing that he was talking about. 
last uh, week, but apparently last night there was a show to end all shows. Um, Also, Mark Cass is going to take a look at the possibility of closing the area around Brady Street to traffic. There was a radio legend who passed away this past week, and we're going to tell you about the song he played before anyone else did. We'll also take a look back at the Week in Review. Wyatt's here. He's got more on the closing of those fitness clubs. And also, um, the men who are facing a federal indictment for robbing Milwaukee postal workers. Isaac's here. He's pushing all those buttons. And in just two minutes, it's sports with Dominic Catronio right here on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. It is 813 and 67 degrees at WTMJ. Through a rain delay that didn't actually have rain before the game to a sudden clipper during the ninth inning, it was a long day of baseball in Pittsburgh between the Brewers and the Pirates. Christian Yelich, though, continued his hot first half. Good speed on the bases. The 1-0, a drive to deep right field. How far will it fly? All the way out of the ballpark and out into the Allegheny. A three-run home run for Christian Yelich. That's his 10th. And what an exclamation point on that one. Jeff Levering on the call on Yelich's 10th homer of the year. The Brewers would win a wacky game 11-8. to His manager, Craig Council, on how well Christian Yelich is playing as of late. I mean, a good day, good day throughout. And it starts, it, it starts with Yelly having an at-bat just to lead off the game, where he just he pushes the guy and draws a walk, eight-pitch at-bat right off the bat. And that's like the night, that's the, the nightmare for a pitcher to start a game, right? So, But Yelly's, you know, Yelly's doing a heck of a job at the top of the lineup, man. I mean, he's on base. His at-bats are so good. Running the scoring on that double by Winker, you know, just, just really a lot of good stuff. Keep in mind, he still has a chance to be an all-star reserve in Seattle for the Midsummer Classic. Those rosters will be announced later today. The Brewers will finish their series and their 10-game road trip with the Pittsburgh Pirates. First pitch is scheduled for 1240. Our coverage is at 12.05. NBA free agency is buzzing and more good news for the Milwaukee Bucks. After on Friday, we learned that Chris Middleton would be returning to Milwaukee. Shams Karania is now reporting that Brooke Lopez is returning to the Bucks. On a two-year pact, the club has not yet confirmed. I'm Dominic Catronio, WTMJ Sports. Thanks a lot, Dominic. It's 816. We're at 67 degrees. I'm going to have your forecast. And also, Mark Cass is coming around right after this. It's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. It's a little bit overcast as you're waking up on this Sunday morning. Um, And we do have a chance of some showers, especially if you're south of 94. Um, It's going to be cloudy throughout most of the day, at least a few clouds. Uh, About 74 degrees near the lake. As you go further inland, you're going to get into the low 80s. Then tonight, mainly clear. Down to 63. Tomorrow on July 3rd, it's going to be mostly sunny, warm, and humid. We'll get up to 90 inland, 83 near the lake if you're there for those fireworks tomorrow night. Then on Tuesday, mostly sunny. A chance of some pop-up storms throughout the day. We're going to be up to 90 degrees. Wednesday, a chance of showers, mostly cloudy and a high of 85. And then on Thursday, cooling down to about 77 with a chance of some showers in the morning. And then it'll be cloudy throughout the rest of the day. Waking up around Wisconsin on this Sunday morning in Oconomowoc, 67 degrees. Cedarburg has 67. Oak Creek, you're at 66. And it's 67 degrees at WTMJ at 819. And that means it's time to check in with Mark Cass. He's the editor-in-chief of the Milwaukee Business Journal. Mark, I know you really enjoy hanging out at Brady Street, and their business improvements district is talking about closing that road between Humboldt and Farwell Avenues and looking at some design changes around there, specifically to slow traffic and get more people there. Uh, What's the business reaction? And also, what about the people who live around there? I mean, it's hard enough to get a parking space as it is. It is. Yeah, this one's going to be very interesting to watch. It's created a lot of interest over the past week as they came out with a plan, which would include closing of the street to only two cars. So really the reaction I heard from people was interest, but questions. You know, how would the stores, the restaurants, the bars, and other things that are in that area, how do you access them? How do you get all their product in there? I mean, how can we make this work? Because there's no doubt is an issue there. We've all seen the stories over the last couple of years about accidents that have occurred there about some of the people who got hit on that street, and it's always crowded. So I think this one has some legs. I mean, just kind of as a fun metaphor there, and is really going to move ahead over the next couple of weeks, next couple of months as they study this. The biggest thing to me will be trying to make sure there's access, because it is one of the few through roads to get access from the east side of Milwaukee 
into the central area, whether it's Water Street, Van Buren. You can obviously take Farwell, but that is kind of a shortcut to go down Brady. So, I mean, really, a lot of people use that. And you add that hotel that's going there that you and I have talked about. It's obviously going to add more traffic there. But I've just really seen an interest in this from a lot of people, from the alderman, from the mayor. A lot of people have talked about this. A lot of people are seeing the work. They can look to Madison to see that it's worked on State Street. It's worked very well. I mean, I've used the example before. I traveled to Ireland last year. And throughout the main cities there, they have these areas where they don't allow cars in. The stores and the bars and the restaurants all are very successful. So I think this one will be interesting. There'll be a lot of interest in it. I wouldn't be surprised if something happens there over the next 12 months. Speaking about closing roadways, I know you're going to be moderating an event on July 17th. It's a theme all of a sudden, isn't it? It is. It is. Very well well planned, if I say so myself. But July 17th, you're going to be at Marquette moderating an event talking about that possible removal of I-794 and how it compares with the Park East Freeway that happened 20 years ago. Do you see a growing momentum to get rid of 794 and to just build more downtown? This one's going to be easier. It's not as far along and there's not as much support. There is support. I don't want to lead anybody. Sure, there is support. There's a group of people who want to see it. There's also a lot of people who have questions on it. I think we have to look at the 20 years ago and kind of what happened on the north half of downtown, how long that took, but also what the impact has been. I made this comment over the last few days. You wouldn't have an arena in its current place if not for the removal of that freeway. You wouldn't have everything that's happening around the arena on Juno, on McKinley, if not for that project. So it's obviously had an effect on downtown. I think the main thing about the two of them is when you took that path north 20 years ago, you just ended on the east side of Milwaukee. Now, if you go down to 794, where do you go? You go south. You go down to St. Francis and Cudahy and Oak Creek. So it is an access point. So what's going to have to happen as this kind of thing moves ahead is how do you solve that? How do you make sure there's access from the south other than I-94? How will we do that? So I think there is momentum, maybe for a compromise, whether it's removing some of the ramps to do some things down there. But there's 16 acres of land, Libby, between the Marquette and the lake that has the opportunity to be redeveloped, whether it's for green space, retail, office, just using the space to really connect the third ward and the downtown. You know, for years, that freeway has been kind of a wall, in a sense, between the two. And there's so much happening in each area that you'd love to see that connected. So a lot of things to talk about, not nearly as far along as Brady, but I think will be a heavy topic for the next couple of years. Well, I know there's a lot of talk about something that's going to take place July 13th through the 16th, and that's Harley-Davidson's 120th anniversary. you got your motorcycle ready, right? you got vroom, your, vroom. You're, you're How do you do that go. one? You're going to be rooming all around the city. I know you. I can't quite get that Harley broom. But where are those main events going to be held? Most of them will be held on the lakefront at Veterans Park. There'll be some at the museum, and there'll be some others at the Harleys throughout the region where they sell the motorcycles. So this is a big deal for the area. I think we all forget this. Every five years, we see this influx of Harley riders, and the economic impact on our region is great. You're going to see them all over the city. You can see them at the restaurants, at the bars, at the big shows on the lakefront. It's costly for Harley. You, you know, we actually looked at that just in order to rent the park space. That's $100,000. For their stages, hundred and a half. So a lot of money is being spent on this event. But the return to the city in terms of hotel rooms and restaurants is huge. So you just got to be ready for three days of a lot of noise and a lot of fun. But I think we all have to remember how great this is for the city. And it's our chance to have Milwaukee seen by hundreds and hundreds and thousands of others who come from other areas of the country to see it. So this is a good time for Milwaukee and a good time to be proud of the things we have in Milwaukee. Well, I know you'll be rocking at the Harley-Davidson celebration, but I... I I'll I, be there one of the nights. How about you? I, abs- I'm going to see the Foo Fighters. I oh, expect yeah. you to be sitting there next to me, aren't you? Exactly. David Grohl. Love him. There you go. Is it true that you were rocking and rolling to Debbie Gibson the other night at Summerfest? Uh, you know, I, I'll be honest. We walked near there. We heard her singing. We stopped for a song or two, and I'm like, wow, that... I remember those songs. That's interesting. But then we kept walking. I'll admit, we didn't stay for the whole show. But I was surprised to see you right in the front row. That was really (laughs) shocking to me. I didn't realize you were such a huge fan. I am. And you've been there a lot of nights. What has attendance been like? And what do you think the overall reaction is this year, especially since they've had a couple of cancellations of a few performers like Jimmy Buffett? Yeah, I think overall so far it's been good. Crowds have been nice. I've talked about we were there last weekend for Cheryl Crow and James Taylor and then walked the grounds after the show to head home. It was packed. It was the most crowd I've seen there in a long time. So I think they've done well. The weather's been good. There was a little rain earlier this week, which I think had an impact. But overall, I think it's doing well. We'll see over the holiday weekend, which is always a challenge because of all the travel that goes on and all the holiday events that are going on out there. And then next week, because next week is a vacation week for people, right? I mean, a lot of people take off. So will the crowds continue? I'd say so far, so good, but there's just much more to come. Well, 
you know, it can't all be fun and games and concerts. A lot of us have to go to work, and there's been an increase nationally and locally of those yeah. companies saying the workers have to come back to the office. How many days are they expecting people to actually have their seats filled, and yeah. uh, will we ever see a return to a five-day work week? This one's fascinating to me because we've kind of seen a change over the last couple of months. CEOs and heads of companies, executives, we're kind of just saying, you can come in when you want, we'll work this out. And now you're seeing the companies realize the importance of working together, of collaboration, of how important that is. And you see more and more companies are making it mandatory for three days a week. That's their standard. We've seen it nationally with that. So I think the three days is kind of the norm. Some are doing four days. There are very few companies who are doing five other than for employees who have to be there. Maybe it's funny. I've often talked about Fridays in Milwaukee being slow. They are painfully slow nowadays. And I just don't think, and from all the national and local people I've talked to, Friday's never coming back. That's just going to be one of those days that you work from home. Hopefully work the full day, which I know you do and I know I do. But I think Fridays won't come back. I think the aim is to get workers more in the office to really make this happen. I mean, I use the line all the time lately that in 2018, Libby, if I would have told you that you could work at home on Fridays, I would have been the number one manager in the country. <laughs> nowadays, if I said you could only work at home one day a week, I'm not a good manager. So it's an interesting time how things have changed and how flexibility has come into the workplace. But I think we're trying to find that thing that works for all companies. You know, is it three days a week? Is it four days a week? What works so we get the most out of the employees to really make things work well? Oh, Mark, it's always great to have you here. Enjoy the rest of your holiday weekend. You too. Happy Fourth. Have a hot dog, have a beer, and have a safe holiday. Wait a minute. Fridays are never coming back. Isaac, did you hear that? I mean, you and I, we work every Friday because we're getting ready for our weekend shifts. Yeah, nobody told me about this. Yeah, nobody told me Friday was a, it, 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 it's not a thing anymore. <laughs> oh, Mark, Mark, Mark. Okay, 67 degrees at WTMJ and uh, still ahead next half hour. We're going to hear from Mark, from Matt Miller. He has just been living at the Summerfest grounds over the last uh, two long weekends. And boy, he saw a show last night. He cannot wait to tell you about it. That's all ahead right here on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. Welcome back. I'm Libby Collins at Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. Well, I think I'm still coughing. <laughs> this air quality was horrible, historically bad, as a matter of fact. Also, discussing the future of the Milwaukee Brewers and a major landmark decision by the U.S. Supreme Court. There was so much more, too. It's a Week in Review brought to you by Outdoor Living Unlimited. What we do here is go back, 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 back. A young male or female walked off the stage, hopped over the ropes, and proceeded to run the bases. <laughs> okay, only a dude would do this. Miss Rock River Disturbance at State Fair Park, Milwaukee's Greek Fest forced to alter plans to its weekend festival after a number of fights broke out among young people. Visitors to State Fair Park Sunday greeted with a toned-down festival. This comes after four people were arrested late Saturday night. We're going to be grateful for the people that came out, but definitely going to realign things to see how we can keep everyone safe. You know, you go to some of these events for the intent purpose of uh, getting into fights, or you do get into fights and you spoil the experience for everybody else. I don't have trouble using that word. You are a thug. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny is likely to go down as one of the most expensive flops in Hollywood history. Not just because of the scathing reviews coming from an access media that normally defends every new piece of soulless corporate entertainment like their very lives depended on it. Why did it have to be? One of the most expensive flops in Hollywood history. Southeast Wisconsin experiencing the worst air quality today across the entire country and some of the worst in the world. We could see some of the heaviest smoke concentrations of the season here. Waukesha now at 323. That is hands down the highest air quality levels I have ever seen in southern Wisconsin. This looks like a, I would describe like a marine layer sort of June gloom in Los Angeles. This is the first day that I can really feel it. I don't know about you guys, but I sense something different. Waukesha Mayor Sean Riley tells WTM all outdoor park programs are closed due to poor air quality. A Flight for Life helicopter grounded due to low visibility from the haze. When you can't meet a patient needs because of a situation like today, it's it's uh, it's difficult. We are one Milwaukee. 
the suburbs. After three pedestrian deaths last year, many feel Brady Street now needs new priorities. For such a pedestrian-friendly area, such as Brady Street, where, you know, there are so many bars to walk through, frankly, the cars can find a different way. I think we are open to beyond 2043. It's a great facility. If, if we are confident that the funds will be there for a landlord to be able to meet its obligations to us. I don't think this is the most important economic development tool, but it is important uh, to the quality of life. It's important to a lot of companies that recruit talent. If we had invested a billion dollars in education or housing or any one of a number of things, the economic impact there would have been far greater. The Wisconsin state budget moving closer to the governor's desk. The Wisconsin Assembly giving their stamp of approval Thursday after it passed in the Senate on Wednesday. It focuses on the priorities that we heard and we know Wisconsinites want. Representative Tip McGuire. Why were those things not included? And the answer is pretty plainly before us. To afford a major tax cut for the wealthy in this state. All right, hey everybody, we're at the Summerfest grounds and summer does not officially begin for me until I've had a lemonade and there's only one place to get it from at the fest, Catalano's. Think they'll let me make my own? Let's try. Two scoops of sugar. Make sure people aren't cheated here. We did it. All right, we got eliminate. Summer can begin. A bombshell decision on affirmative action this morning from the Supreme Court. Justices striking down affirmative action as a standing rule in college admissions. The court has effectively ended affirmative action in college admissions. And I strongly, strongly disagree with the court's decision. In a major setback for LGBTQ rights in America, the court's conservative majority has ruled a Colorado wedding website designer shouldn't have to create sites for gay couples. The U.S. Supreme Court, in a 6-3 opinion written by Chief Justice Roberts, decided the second. Secretary of Education had no authority to forgive $430 billion worth of student loan debt. What are we, gay? What a week. Crank it. Oh, we're getting everything out of there. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. And the Weekend Review is sponsored by Outdoor Living Unlimited. Well, this uh, last night I, I heard about somebody that really made an impact on radio in the Midwest. At one point he was the the most popular DJ in all of the Midwest, and maybe out of Chicago, but I know a lot of people here in Wisconsin were familiar with him. Gotta share a story about that. It's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. There's some light rain throughout the area right now. You may not have it where you are, but places like Waukesha and Racine and Brookfield, you're, you've got a few little, uh, a little bit of drizzle going on right now. Your temperature's going to get up to about 82 today, a little bit cooler near the lake than tomorrow. Uh, looks like it's going to be sunny and a very warm 3rd of July for those fireworks on the lake. 90 degrees inland and 83 if you are near the lake. Right now, Delafield, 67. Muskego is 68 at 67 in WTMJ at 844. Well, if you grew up in the 60s, um, any place around the Midwest, you probably heard Dick Biondi at one time or another. He was a nighttime voice out of Chicago. But interesting story. On February 23rd of 1963, Biondi played a song released by VJ Records, which is a very small label out of Gary, Indiana. It rose to number 35 on the Silver Dollar Survey that year, but it never made the national charts, at least not in 1963. Oh, you can barely even hear the... The quality of the voices there, but yep, that was the Beatles, and it was a year later, on February 7th of 1964, that America was introduced to the Beatles, and Dick Biondi stayed on the air until 2017. He died this past week at the age of 90. It's 845, you're a minute away from sports, and uh, our own Dominic Catronio right here on WTMJ. Don't be fooled by an 11-8 to final score. This game featured a lot of pitching from Corbin Burns, and also some offense from a potential all-star in Christian Yelich. Good speed on the bases. The 1-0, a drive to deep right field. How far will it fly? All the way out of the ballpark and out into the Allegheny. A three-run home run for Christian Yelich. That's his 10th. 
And what an exclamation point on that one. Jeff Levering on the call. The Brewers would win the game 11-8. Corbin Burns actually started this game with five perfect innings, 15 up and 15 down. In the end, he would go seven innings, only allowing two runs. His manager, Craig Council. I mean, I thought, you know, I looked up at one point and he, you know, that was just the number of strikes he was throwing, um, I think is, was a, you know, big indicator of how sharp he was. There was just, there was a lot of just like double, more than double strikes of balls. So um, when, when he's doing that, um, it was good. The finale of the series and the road trip is today. First pitch is scheduled for 1240 from Pittsburgh. Our coverage will start at 1205. Breaking news from the NBA and the free agency world. Two deals broke yesterday from Sean's Karania, reporting that both Brooke Lopez and Jay Crowder will be back with the Bucks this season. This on the heels of them re-signing Chris Middleton reportedly on Friday. The club has not yet confirmed. And finally, the U.S. Senior Open Championship out in Stevens Point at Century World currently has Bernard Longer in the lead at 6-under par, Jerry Kelly and Steve Stricker hot on his heels at 4-under and 3-under respectively. You can watch the final round of a major championship live at noon Central Time on NBC. I'm Dominic Catronio, WTMJ Sports. Thanks a lot, Dominic. It's 848. Coming up next, it's Matt Miller. What happened at Summerfest last night? He's going to tell you right here on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. Well, last week he talked about EDM. What is it? Why is it great? Why is Matt Miller all excited about it? Well, we'll find out from the media critic and pop culture editor at onmilwaukee.com. Matt, I understand, uh, at least Isaac assured me, that song where we've got here playing in the background, that was one of the things that you were listening to last night at the Summerfest grounds? On, set, on uh, Friday night. I'm sorry, yes. Friday night. Sorry about that. Yeah, Saturday night was the rare off day for me, the lone off day of Summerfest for me. But yes, yeah, so Odessa was the headliner Friday night, though, and uh, many people might not know the name Odessa. It's not a radio name. It's not a name you're going to see performing on a late night show or anything like that. But it's one of the biggest names at Summerfest this year. It's this globally touring uh, electronic dance music show, and they put on an incredible show. It, it was the the first thing that I, I felt like it was. I was watching the Olympic game ceremonies. It was so big, so many. So much fire, so many instruments, so much stuff going on. It was wild, uh, and it kind of it did a pretty good job of holding up that energy for the rest of the night. And the the music was really good, really good danceable beats. Uh, I know there were a lot of concerns because the amp isn't really made for a dance party. You know, you've got the seats, you've got the rows. This is EDM is generally more of you know a flat surface dance party situation. Then there were concerns that the amp was gonna kind of be putting a, an EDM-shaped hole in a square peg. Uh, but instead, it ended up being a great show. People were really into it, and it was, a, it was a great night. It was a really strong show. Okay, describe what went on, because I read your review in onmilwaukee.com, and, I mean, it, it, I don't think Summerfest Grounds has ever really seen something like this before, have they? Not really. They have EDM artists normally at the Miller Lite Oasis stage every other day. Like they, they try to bring some EDM artists in, but this is easily one of the biggest that they've had. This is, again, this is the kind of EDM act that will play Coachella, that will play the bigger festivals, that will play festivals, EDM festivals in Europe that are hugely attended. Um, and Summerfest got them this year. And it, it's a lot of laser light shows. They had a drum line there, a live drum line playing alongside the music. They had a trumpet player and a trombone player. And the, the music is kind of hard to describe. It is, it's dance music. There's no real lyrics. Though they did have singers coming in and singing alongside them for a lot of songs, which was actually really impressive, too. And then, do you remember from like the 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 two thousands? I I remember the two thousands, <laughs> <laughs> but what do you want me to remember about it? <laughs> yeah, there was a uh, there was a guy named Moby who did a lot oh, of. Oh yeah, of, I remember Moby. Sure. Yeah, so this is kind of like Moby, but cranked up to eleven. This is this, that's what this <laughs> in terms of music style was like. It was Moby, but a lot more of a party. 
and uh, a lot because uh, Moby was a, a bit of a weirdo. Uh, they seem a little less <laughs> weird than Moby too. Uh, but where really where are they from, by the way? Uh, you know, they're actually from America. I assumed they were going to be like two European dudes. Like I assumed it was mm-hmm. going to be like Stavros and and you know uh, Umgan or something like that. Because it's just it's so European. It's so. This, this kind of uh, the European dance music, it, that's the kind of energy they have. But they're from America. They're, they're, they're from Michigan, I believe, originally. And one of them talked about during the show, I don't know if he said he was from Madison or went to Madison or that they had just played Madison, but it sounds like they, they met in Washington as well, Washington uh, University, uh, Northern Washington University, I believe. So, yeah, they're, they're from us, and they've, they've taken over the, the world. Okay, now and and they had like cannons and and light shows and all kinds of stuff going on. Pyrotechnics, yeah, lots of lasers, lots of pyrotechnics. Man, if you thought the smoke was clearing out that night, felt like they were just resupplying the smoke in the <laughs> air yesterday. Uh, just a ton of fire, a ton of laser lights, a, ton, a lot of smoke, uh, smoke machines, and uh, really, really put on quite the show. And I know uh, I talked about this a little bit last week. EDM has this reputation of you know just a guy at a table with a laptop you know pumping his fists and you know saying let's go milwaukee like that is the stereotypical edm show and at summerfest i've seen a few of these edm shows and it really does seem like they're trying to go away from that they're trying to not only throw a party but to put on a performance as well to put on something that feels like you are watching live music not just a guy playing beats off of a machine, and I, I think it's being appreciated. Well, you mentioned the drum line, and what, the drums sort of changed colors with the beat? Yeah, so they had, I believe it was uh, eight eight or nine drum drummers playing, and they had these glowing drum kits, and during certain songs, when they would play certain beats, the the glow would change from white to red to green. To it was it was it was really a, a sensory experience that night. It was a full on kind of you were in a different place for ninety minutes, uh, and it was it was very cool. And I went into the night kind of skeptical. I was like, okay, what's this big? ED- Is this just going to be the Trans Siberian Orchestra? but for EDM fans. And it wasn't. It was a really good time. And, and what happened to the cannon? Uh, it, they have steam cannons. They have fire. Uh, they have fire cannons and stuff like that. So uh, you got all of that going on on stage. Tons of fire cannons. Tons of fire on stage. And, uh, and like with, confetti and things, too? Yes. At the end of the night, they had a huge confetti cannon, and it exploded everywhere and confettied the, the crowd, and it was, the good closing is a good conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now next weekend, that's the the beginning of the end. Uh, this thing Thursday. Now this AJR, they canceled the show where they were going to be substituting for Jimmy Buffett, who had to cancel. Uh, do, do you think they're going to come up? I mean, it's, it's it's probably too late to get somebody else to book that stage, yeah. right? Yeah, and I think even if you could book someone for that stage, you know, how are you going to sell tickets in four days at yeah. this point? It's it's a shame because AJR, I was very excited to see AJR, and they, they also had to cancel, you know, their opening gig uh, for Imagine Dragons on the closing night. Um, and, that, that you know, they're a very popular kind of indie pop band right now, but obviously uh, their, their dad isn't doing well right now. They're three brothers, so yeah. they all have the same dad, um, and the dad isn't doing well, so more than understands, uh, much like Jimmy Buffett, you know, he's dealing with health stuff, they're dealing with a, a sick father, so you more than understand that sometimes the show can't go on, uh, but there's still a bunch of great stuff next week. I mean, Imagine Dragons is going to be great on that closing night. I'm really excited for uh, a kind of indie pop artist named Japanese Breakfast uh, on Friday night. Japanese that, uh, Breakfast? That's yeah, a real that's name? Sta- stage name. That's <laughs> oh, okay. Stage I, I, name. <laughs> I, yeah. Hey, my mom named me Japanese Breakfast. All right. And, and I assume that performer's from Japan? Uh, the, the details, I'm not exactly sure off the top of my head, but uh, they have a song. If you've been to a Colectivo or a coffee shop recently, they, they have a song that's been on pretty constant rotation. They're very popular with uh, the kind of critical, critically acclaimed music uh Really, really fun music. So I'm excited to see that one out. That's one of the more hip 
acts at Summerfest this year, uh, which is always nice to see Summerfest getting, you know, acts that you're like, oh, they could play Lollapalooza in Chicago, uh, but they're also coming to Milwaukee. So that's always very cool when Summerfest gets those kind of gets. Well, I know you haven't had a whole lot of time to see movies, but you promised me tomorrow, because I'm going to be here from 6 to 9, that you're going to join us with your review of Indiana Jones and that new movie. I'm very excited. I'm, I've heard all over the place things about the new Indiana Jones, so I'm eager to see it for myself. I, I, I Listen, and I will decide if I'm going to the theater to see it based on your review tomorrow. So you got a oh, lot of responsibility, responsibility. here. Oh, you, boy. <laughs> you got a lot of responsibility on your hands, Matt. All right, well, we will talk to you in the morning. Thank you so much for joining us today. And, of course, if you want to check out Matt's reviews of Summerfest bands, look to onmilwaukee.com. Coming up to 8.59, and right after the news, we've got, uh, oh, next next hour is a busy hour. We have uh, Mary Bono, Congresswoman, former Congresswoman, Mary Bono is going to be here, and uh, I ask her a question about her late husband, Sonny, that makes her smile. You have to listen to that. And uh, also, (laughs) can dolphins live like humans? Oh, yeah. You got to hear this one. That's all I have in the next hour right here on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. This is Wisconsin's Weekend Morning News with Liddy Collins. Back to hour two of Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. A little bit later on this morning, uh, I talked with former Congresswoman Mary Bono uh, this past week, and uh, I asked her about Sonny. I, I had to ask her about Sonny. That's not the reason she was talking to me, but I had to ask her about Sonny, and I think you're going to want to hear what she has to say. But first, we've got uh, Wyatt here, and Wyatt, big stories here um, over the weekend, one of which is the closing of the experience fitness centers unexpectedly i mean if i had had a membership there i would not be happy and if i had a job i'd really not be happy well that's the thing libby is it's not just that it came unexpected to members as you're saying it it, the employees also found out on thursday that it was they were going to be closing permanently at 9 p.m that day there were some workers who taught their fitness classes in the morning and left not realizing they wouldn't show up to work on friday the uh, the they communicated by email to both members and workers on Thursday that that that's it closing down. They're keeping their Minnesota locations open, but no experience fitness in Wisconsin anymore. And they're not and they're not saying why they close them all. No word yet. Because I mean, I, we're talking I, Brookfield, Waukesha, the whole state, West Dallas. I mean, there were a lot Greenfield, of Greenfield. There was there were uh, the members have talked to all the TV stations. We we have played one of. Uh, one of the clips from our news partners at TMJ4 News, that the people are just like, okay, they've been transferred to, their membership has been transferred to a Planet Fitness, but mm-hmm. y- people choose gyms for a variety of reasons. Yeah. They're, I would imagine that most of the people who work there, it was either convenient or comfortable for them. It's a real, it's a real hassle for the members, and it's bad for all the employees who are now out of a job with, Less than 12 hours notice. Well, sure, sure. Although most of the instructors, I would assume they are either independent contractors or part-time employees that... Yeah, but but, it, but still, and you that's, know, which, uh, that's yeah, dollars that yeah, are no longer coming into sure. the old bank account. Yeah, this is true. Um, but yeah, as you said, it's such a personal choice when you decide to buy a gym membership, which is not a cheap date, by the way. And uh, yeah, I, I don't think I'd be happy if that were my gym of choice. And it no longer were available to me. Uh, now, the other big story are these federal indictments that came down. It's, it's what, five men were indicted? Explain what's going on behind that. So it's five men of eight. Five of eight who were, the original eight were charged in state court for operating a crime ring that robbed mail carriers. Uh, this story broke uh, in early May, and it was this it was this group of mostly young men, all Milwaukee residents. Eight, the the eight men ranged in age from eighteen to twenty two. The five who were charged federally ranged from nineteen to twenty two. And the this was a a crime ring that targeted mail carriers. They would uh, they would hold them up at gunpoint and then demand their universal arrow keys, which would unlock the mail receptacles that only the mail carriers have access to. And then once you get in there, you just pick up the mail and put it in a sack just like you're the mailman, Mm -hmm. and they would steal the mail. So now they're facing federal charges because the U.S. Postal Service is a federal agency. 
I, I know a couple of people I talked to were a little bit confused. They wanted to know, did that have anything to do, did the, the people involved in this crime have anything to do with the postal worker who was murdered last year? Yeah, so that is not, the no link has been established through any of the indictments that came down. This is my own analysis, is that when that was suspected to be connected at the time because the robberies were known. They had happened. It had been reported. None of the members of this crime ring had been caught at the time that the uh, Andre Cross, the postal worker, was murdered. There was a fear at the time from uh, locals and also the uh, the postal workers' union that this was a an escalating violence of that crime ring of the robberies. It turns out that uh, it may not have been connected. It was, it was connected to uh, Cross possibly allegedly taking some illegally shipped marijuana from his route that belonged to the people who murdered him. And it seemed like he was targeted intentionally. He was known and it was not part of a robbery. There's been no link established between the the, the people who are charged in his murder and the people who are separately charged in this crime ring. It seems to have just been coincidental timing. Now, both uh, groups, the people who are involved in Andre Cross's murder and the people who are allegedly involved in this crime ring, are now all in jail awaiting charges so hopefully this is the end of that yeah well let's hope so but again once the feds get you they got you yeah it's an understatement wyatt hey listen are, are you know we've talked about bears here on the air because i know you're you're into wildlife what do you think about dolphins uh, they're uh, devious and smart Oh, devi! Oh, you think they're devious? I've heard some. I've heard some unkind things about dolphins, just in terms of the behavior they get up to under the sea. Really? Oh, see, I always thought you know. I'm, I, I I think Flipper. I think you know. Everybody loves a dolphin. It can be your friend. I, I even had the opportunity once to to swim with the dolphins. One I've of never the highlights done that, of my I life. Oh, that was very them. cool. I've seen they were that when I was in Hawaii, they were up alongside a boat I was on. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it they, to see them in the wild, but I literally got to swim with them, and and I, I don't think they will let you do that anymore. I held on to two dolphins, one on either side, holding their dorsal fins. Rushing through the water. That I have a video of that, by the way, if you want to see it sometime. But uh, I digress. But the but there is a very interesting story about a man who tried to get dolphins to take on human tendencies and was literally given money by NASA to do this. And we're going to talk to somebody about that story coming up here in about in about eight minutes. So you'll want to stick around for that one. And why I'll be back with us at 9.30. It's 9.14 and coming up in just a minute, it is Dominic Catronio on Sports on WTMJ. Through a rain delay that didn't actually have rain before the game to a sudden clipper during the ninth inning, it was a long day of baseball in Pittsburgh between the Brewers and the Pirates. Christian Yelich, though, continued his hot first half. Good speed on the bases. The 1-0, a drive to deep right field. How far will it fly? All the way out of the ballpark and out into the Allegheny. A three-run home run for Christian Yelich. That's his 10th. And what an exclamation point on that one. Jeff Levering on the call on Yelich's 10th homer of the year. The Brewers would win a wacky game 11-8. His manager, Craig Council, on how well Christian Yelich is playing as of late. I mean, a good day, good day throughout. And it starts, it, it starts with Yelly having an at-bat just to lead off the game, where he just he pushes the guy and draws a walk, eight-pitch at-bat right off the bat. And that's like the night, that's the, the nightmare for a pitcher to start a game, right? So, But Yelly's, you know, Yelly's doing a heck of a job at the top of the lineup, man. I mean, he's on base. His at-bats are so good. Running the scoring on that double by Winker, you know, just, just really a lot of good stuff. Keep in mind, he still has a chance to be an all-star reserve in Seattle for the Midsummer Classic. Those rosters will be announced later today. The Brewers will finish their series and their 10-game road trip with the Pittsburgh Pirates. First pitch is scheduled for 1240. Our coverage is at 12.05. NBA free agency is buzzing and more good news for the Milwaukee Bucks. After on Friday, we learned that Chris Middleton would be returning to Milwaukee. Shams Karania is now reporting that Brooke Lopez is returning to the Bucks. On a two-year pact, the club has not yet confirmed. I'm Dominic Catronio, WTMJ Sports. And that's very good news for Bucks fans. We're happy to hear it. It's uh, 9-18. I was just talking to Wyatt about dolphins. I love dolphins. 
And this the story that we have about dolphins, you, you don't want to miss it. If, if by any chance you have kids or something and they like dolphins, get them, get them in the room because you're going to hear a story about dolphins I bet you never knew. It's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. Uh, it might be raining where you are. We're going to take a, a little deeper look at weather in just a couple minutes. But currently our temperature is 67 degrees at WTMJ at 919. Areas out there experiencing just that light drizzle, including uh, Franklin and Oak Creek, and I think Racine and and even Muskego. You've got a little bit, but other places it's just clouds out there now. A lot of that's going to be clearing up, but it's going to remain partly cloudy throughout most of the day. Uh, if you're near the lake, 74 for a high tonight. Looks or today, uh, if you're inland, it's going to be 82. Then tonight, it's mainly clear, down to 63. Tomorrow, if you are headed out for those. Fun activities for the 3rd of July, including those lakefront fireworks. It's going to be mostly sunny, warm, and humid. 90 inland, 83 near the lake. On uh, Tuesday, the 4th of July, for your picnics, your your uh, parades, and also those fireworks, it'll be mostly sunny, with a chance of some pop-up storms and a high of 90 degrees. Wednesday, another chance of showers, cloudy, down to 85. And on Thursday, a chance of rain in the morning, then it's going to be cloudy or partly cloudy the rest of the day, only 77 for a high temperature. Uh, looking around the area right now, Milwaukee's up to 68 degrees, Lake Geneva has 70, Muskego's at 69. Elkhart Lake has 71 at 923. Well, I've uh, talked a little bit about this throughout the morning, and it's it's fascinating. I, I talked with uh, the author of a book called The Theory of Everything Else. His name is Dan Schreiber. He's notable because he is literally one of the most popular personalities on the BBC. He has podcasts about the unusual and has had these podcasts downloaded over 400 million times. So obviously a lot of people find what he has to say very interesting. Dan, tell us about the man who thought he could teach dolphins to live like humans. Yeah, this is one of my favorite bits of science history, really, because it's sort of brushed under the carpet a lot. Um, There was a guy who was called John Lilly back in the 60s and 70s who was one of the leading people trying to work out whether we could cross the species barrier with communication and teach dolphins to speak. And there was so much excitement about the progress he was making that NASA even funded his program, which specifically he was attempting, using their money, to teach dolphins to speak English so fluently that they could be given a seat at the United Nations so they could speak on behalf of all marine mammals. So it was like a big... (laughs) Deal. And he thought he envisaged a world where it was going to be dolphin human cohabiting. He built a house as part of an experiment, at which he flooded halfway of the house. And so it was sort of the dining room. You could have dinner in there, but you'd have water up to your knees and there would be dolphins brushing past you having their dinner as well. He tried to design a dolphin car where it'd just be flooded with water. So while we were driving in the streets, they would be parking next to us and, and driving along. And he was such a kind of influential person to begin with that when the very first SETI meeting, so Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence, when Carl Sagan and Frank Drake and all these eminent scientists got together, he was the opening speaker there. And he was part of this tiny group of people who thought, how are we going to communicate with aliens? So hugely influential. And then he kind of got quite a bit heavily into drugs and it kind of just fell apart from there. Are you sure he wasn't heavily into drugs when he was thinking of these stories about dolphins? I think he was as well, but no one quite appreciated how they were influencing his head. He also invented, you know, the flotation tanks that he still used to this day as part of, you know, therapy and and health. That's him. He's the inventor of that. So his footprint is here. Well, you know, there's another real life uh, mad scientist that you write about. Uh, He actually won a Nobel Prize for the PCR test, but he had a close encounter uh, with maybe an extraterrestrial yeah, this, so when I started wanting to write this book, I was trying to show that a lot of people who have changed the world, geniuses we might call them, have also a little bit of weirdness about them. And sometimes the question I had was, is the weirdness, is it important for the genius to function? Do, do we need to take that with the other side? And so this guy, Carrie Mullis, when the pandemic broke out and we were desperately trying to curb the deaths of everyone, there was PCR to save us. It was, it was before we could find a vaccine. Everyone was taking a PCR test. 
And it did. It just resulted in many people, you know, not going out as a result and, and helping to stop the disease from spreading. So millions of lives were saved. And I thought, I can't believe I've never heard of the person who invented PCR when I looked into it. It was a guy called Carrie Mullis. How is he not a household name? He sort of single-handedly saved us from a huge death toll. And then I realized why. It's because of the absolute eccentricities of the man and dangerous side of the man as well. But as you say, he did have a close encounter. It was the very same year that he invented PCR. He was heading out to his outhouse toilet in the middle of the night. He had a flashlight on him. And as he was walking through the dark, he spotted under a tree a English-speaking glowing raccoon who said, hello, doctor, when he spotted it. And then he remembers nothing. And then four hours later, he wakes up on another road, which is further down from where he was standing. He's got no mud on him or anything, so he hadn't been asleep. His flashlight's missing. He has no idea how he got there. And he spent virtually the rest of his life trying to, you know, while doing other stuff, but never off the back of his mind, trying to work out if he was abducted into a spaceship by a you know, phosphorescent <laughs> raccoon. I, this is the guy who invented PCR, which has changed everything. Yeah, it's I, insane. I, it's crazy. But you know, maybe he was traveling through time. I, I, I don't know. But, but you also in your book write about some time travelers in, of all places, Italy. And if you want to hear about those time traveling Italians and what you can never do, if and well, if you ever do travel through time, there's one thing you cannot you cannot do this. Traveling through time. Um, we're going to have a story about that. But you have to be listening on Tuesday morning, July 4th. I'm going to be here from 6 to 9. And we're going to have more with Dan Schreiber. That He is so entertaining. I mean, he has some great stories. Uh, and again, that's going to be uh, Tuesday morning, July 4th. I'm also going to be here tomorrow, by the way, July 3rd from 6 until 9. Filling in on Wisconsin Morning News. I don't, I don't know. You know, as soon as he said to me that the inventor of the PCR test had an outhouse, kind of makes you wonder, huh? Yeah. I, I mean, the glowing, talking raccoon, that's nothing. I'm, I'm more concerned that the guy had an outhouse. Uh, let's see. Still ahead, coming up in the next half hour, we're going to be talking with former Congresswoman Mary Bono. And yes, I did ask her about Sonny. That's all ahead. It's all coming up on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. And welcome back to the final half hour of Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. I'm Libby Collins. Um, you know, you probably by now have seen these vapes on the counters of uh, convenience stores. Have you seen those, Isaac? Yeah. You know, and they've got flavors like gummy bear or blue ras, ice or watermelon. Um, well, who would that appeal to? Certainly not adults. It's it's appealing to young people, of course. And joining us is former California Congresswoman Mary Bono. She now chairs Communities United for Smart Policy, and they've been fighting against opioid and prescription drug abuse. And Mary, what concerns you most about the popularity of these vapes? Well, first of all, I see this all as one gigantic threat, and a lot of it is coming from China. This threat is about illicit vape products that are deliberately targeted at our children and our youth. You know, there are like 9,000 unique vape products right now, so it seems that there's a, a flavor for everybody. And the whole intent here is, of course, to get people hooked on these vapes. And a lot of times they have increased levels of nicotine in them. They also have things like heavy metals in them. And God forbid, we've even seen people buy vapes that are so sadly and terrifyingly laced with fentanyl. So it is one big giant threat, and I think what's important here is that the FDA needs to do their work. They need to nip this in the bud now before it even gets even farther out of control, sort of the way the opioid epidemic did. How did they start marketing to young people, and why? Well, they begin marketing by putting these things in sort of the eye shot range of kids uh, in stores, in convenience stores, and look... They oftentimes have cute little cartoon characters on them. They seem like, hey, this isn't a cigarette, this isn't tobacco, this is something innocent, and it's just vaping, water vapor. Not only that, they've now taken to social media, of course, using influencers. And as a matter of fact, TikTok is the number one influencer platform where they're pushing these vapes on kids and our youth. Again, they're making it cool to use them and to inhale them, and I think that they'll stop at nothing to target our youth and our kids. 
the FDA has pretty much made it impossible for anybody to buy a cigarette, even if they could afford it. Uh, why aren't they doing the same with vapes? Well, look, it's easy for me to be a critic of the FDA because I think that they were complicit in the opioid epidemic, too, and it's the same problem here. They just don't devote resources to where they need to be. They have sent letters out, which is great. It's a start, but they need to take strong enforcement actions to get these things off of the shelf. They need to recognize the threat that these illicit, illegal vapes really are, and they need to go after them. So, again, you know, often in, uh, in Congress, we used to call it CY. A, which basically means cover your rear end mm-hmm. with another, <laughs> change the A for what you can imagine it would be. But they want to look like they're doing something, but are they really? And interestingly enough, there was an investigative reporter just recently, he walked into a convenience store very close to the FDA, where right there on the counter were, in fact, these illegal vapes. So they can say they're doing it, but they need to prove that they're doing it. They need to get these off of the shelves, and that's what we're trying to do is put some pressure on the FDA to really realize if the time to stop this is now before it gets even worse and impossible to control. All right, right. playing devil's advocate, how much more can the FDA do? Well, the FDA, look, it's their job to do this. This is why the FDA was, was created in the first place, was to protect Americans from dangerous drugs and, and foods and, and the like. This is why they exist. So, you know, if, if they don't have the resources to do it, then they should be given the resources to do it. But this is their job. You know, the good news is their red alert that they issue that gives Customs and Border Protection the authority to go after these vapes at our borders and seize them. They're beginning to do that. But, look, I get frustrated. I was frustrated years ago when the FDA and others turned a blind eye to the, the opioid epidemic and let it get so far out of control that it, it got to where it is today with the fentanyl epidemic. This is the thing with the FDA. They have the ability to do it. They just have to do it. They have to have pressure put on them by the American people and by Congress to go after these illegal products and get them off the shelves. All right, let's put you in charge. Mary Bono, you're in charge of the FDA. What would you do to stop the sale of these vapes? I was talking to a young man from California just yesterday who brought up vaping. He vapes, and he was saying, you know, I can't get these on the shelves anymore, but I can just order them and have them delivered. These illegal, illicit, dangerous vapes. He said, I can just have them delivered. So I would go after social media platforms who are allowing dangerous, illegal, illicit products to be promoted to our children. I would go you know, into convenience stores with enforcement actions. Look, these things work. It's not popular sometimes to do these, but oftentimes convenience store owners, look, they're trying to do the right thing, but oftentimes they don't even really truly know that these vapes are harmful to our youth. They think that they also think that they're a safe alternative or something like candy. Look, it's why they come in candy flavors. So I think they need to communicate regularly to convenience store owners and whoever's selling these things that these are dangerous and not good for our youth. So it begins with that and then enforcement actions. They have the authority to do it. They just need to do it. Libby and Libby, this is the thing. If it's illegal, enforce the law. I mean, that's the way the government works, right? If it's illegal, enforce the law. And, and it's that simple. That's their job. And coming up in about 10 minutes, I ask former Congresswoman Mary Bono a question about her late husband, Sonny, which brings a smile to her face. It's 943. 68 degrees, 945 on WTMJ. We're going to get to sports in just a minute. But when Milwaukee chef Adam Pollack was on Hell's Kitchen, was he ever able to speak to Gordon Ramsay alone? We talked to him about that during a WTMJ conversation. When you have a one-on-one chef Ramsay, whether he's yelling at you or giving you a compliment, how significant is that to you? Nothing else really matters. Everything kind of turns into a blur and you're just focused on what he's doing. I think I got yelled at two times in the whole time that I was there. And it was really cool. A lot of people don't know this is I had a one-on-one with him in the back like pantry area after a really good dinner service that we had that was never shown. Mm, And what went on behind the scenes? Well, you can hear that conversation with Chef Adam Pollock this morning at 11, right after the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show. Sign 46, coming up in one minute. It's Dominic Catroni on Sports on WTMJ. Don't be fooled by an 11-8 final score. This game featured a lot of pitching. 
from Corbin Burns and also some offense from a potential all-star in Christian Yelich. Good speed on the bases. The 1-0, a drive to deep right field. How far will it fly? All the way out of the ballpark and out into the Allegheny. A three-run home run for Christian Yelich. That's his 10th. And what an exclamation point on that one. Jeff Levering on the call. The Brewers would win the game 11-8. Corbin Burns actually started this game with five perfect innings, 15 up and 15 down. In the end, he would go seven innings, only allowing two runs. His manager, Craig Council. I mean, I thought, you know, I looked up at one point and he, you know, that was just the number of strikes he was throwing, um, I think is, was a, you know, big indicator of how sharp he was. There was just, there was a lot of just like double, more than double strikes of balls. So um, when, when he's doing that, um, it was good. The finale of the series and the road trip is today. First pitch is scheduled for 1240 from Pittsburgh. Our coverage will start at 1205. Breaking news from the NBA and the free agency world. Two deals broke yesterday from Sean's Karania, reporting that both Brooke Lopez and Jay Crowder will be back with the Bucks this season. This on the heels of them re-signing Chris Middleton reportedly on Friday. The club has not yet confirmed. And finally, the U.S. Senior Open Championship out in Stevens Point at Century World currently has Bernard Longer in the lead at 6-under par, Jerry Kelly and Steve Stricker hot on his heels at 4-under and 3-under respectively. You can watch the final round of a major championship live at noon Central Time on NBC. I'm Dominic Catronio, WTMJ Sports. Thanks a lot, Dominic. We have your forecast and also... We'll find out what makes Mary Bono smile about her late husband, Sonny. It's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News 949. WTMJ-W277-CV and WKTI-HD2 Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ, a good karma brand station. There's still a little bit of scattered rain out there, particularly in the southern areas. We're going to get up to about 82 degrees, a little bit cooler near the lake, then clear tonight, down to 63. Tomorrow, for those fireworks, it's going to be a warm one, 90 inland and uh, 83 near the lake. Very sunny, but warm and humid as well. 68 degrees is our temperature right now at 953 on WTMJ. And let's return to our conversation with former Congresswoman Mary Bono and about the dangers of kids vaping. And Mary, what should parents do? Well, first of all, they need to recognize that these are not harmless products. They need to recognize these illicit, illegal vapes that are coming from China are very dangerous, very harmful. We do not know what's in them. Since they're illegal, there's not an agency that is regulating them or looking, you know, measuring the quantities of nicotine or the heavy metals that are in them or perhaps finding if there's fentanyl in them. So parents need to just say, these are, look, this is a stupid product. It's that easy. We need to say this is stupid. You shouldn't be doing it. They're not harmless. And you should just discourage their use. I always say the greatest gift as a parent is a conversation with your child, and you need to tell them that these vapes are just not a good idea. Mary, when you were in Congress, you you did so much. You authored legislation, signed into law by Presidents Clinton, Bush, Obama. You really were a bipartisan consensus builder. Why did you leave politics? Well, I lost an election, so that, that kind of helped uh, encourage me to leave. Um, I, yeah, uh, don't get me started on that. <laughs> like, like I, served for, <laughs> I served for just shy of 15 years, and it was a much simpler era where politicians did work across the, you know, the aisle. We tried to get things done. Um, I don't know that I would want to exist in the, the Congress right now with this toxic environment. I really believe people need to come together and do the right thing for their people. So it was an honor to do what I did. Fifteen years was enough. I have to ask you this, Mary. Of course, you went into Congress elected after your husband, Sonny Bono, died so tragically. And in the last 25 years, uh, there are so many entertainers who have been successful in politics. Obviously, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Al Franken, and of course, President Trump. I think we can attribute their success to their popularity on television. Sonny Bono had one of the most popular TV shows of the 70s. Do you think he could have been elected to higher office, even becoming president, if his life hadn't been cut short? You know, it's so funny, Olivia. I, I, I kind of wish this were on camera because 
you should see me smiling right now. I, I think Sunny was always underestimated. But when I see the current leaders or the leaders we've had in the White House, I think he could have he could have run. I think he could have run for president. I think people would have found him refreshing. Um, they would have seen actually he was a very very smart man who was always underestimated. But I think he could have run for president. And you know it's funny he was already a little tired of being in the House of Representatives. So I think he probably would have run for president eventually or go back to Hollywood and, and go into directing or something else. But um, it's too bad that the accident you know cut his life short. Um, but I am smiling because I think that he would have been an amazing president and I would have loved to have been a part of that campaign. Um, so thank you for asking that question. Mary, you were really effective at getting the message out. If anybody out there wants more information about the communities united for smart policy and what you're doing to get not just vapes out of the hands of young people, but also fighting the opioid and prescription drug problem in this country. What's the website? They can find us at our website, which is www.uniteforsmartpolicy.org. That's uniteforsmartpolicy.org, and that's the word for, not the number for. But they can go to our website, and we'll be happy to get them engaged on this issue. But also, you know, talk to talk to your lawmakers if you if you can, to tell them that you expect the FDA to do their job and to get these illegal, illicit vape products off of the shelf. Mary Bono, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Libby. It's great to be with you. Well, guess who's celebrating his 40th wedding anniversary today? Brian and David Wickard are going to let you know, and they're also going to talk about how interest rates around the world affect mortgage rates right here. I'll be back. That's after the, right after the news with Wyatt, and I'll be back at 11 with my conversation with Chef Adam Pollock. It's all here on WTMJ.